0: Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life. Conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is an extension of a prior show that we had, Manhood and Masculinity. This one is focusing on the stories of manhood and masculinity. Um, Not just what is masculinity, but why is it important for men to tell their story How do their stories help the situation and what do we gain from listening to other people's stories? I'm your host Peter Holmes and today I'm joined once again by Jim Jankovic, one of the key organisers behind the Men's Ministry Network here in Sydney and a man with lots of experience with men's stories. Welcome, Jim.
1: Thank you. Good to be here there, Peter.
0: Before we get started, just a reminder that if you like the show, you should subscribe on your podcast app and that way you won't miss an episode. Okay stories of masculinity i mean really it's a fancy name for just men men's stories men telling stories it sounds like a really obvious thing to say that everyone's got a story and they should tell it but the question is is why firstly what's stopping us telling the story jim i mean we seem some men seem to have most men in fact seem to have trouble
1: telling their story what do you think that is from it's it's our vulnerability, I suppose, and this ego wanting to be right and wanting to be seen to be strong and wanting to be seen to have all the answers and, and not feeling comfortable in sharing that we are struggling, you know?
0: Yeah, so we're afraid I, I of something that, really, aren't we?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just exposing ourselves, you know? Yeah.
0: It's, it's funny, I was I was talking to a mate of mine who's um been through some pretty rough times and he had listened to the Manhood episode and he said, Next time you do one on this, you don't need to talk about fear. He said, I said, what do you mean? And he said, so many men are afraid. They're afraid that they're going to be exposed as a fraud or that everyone will, will you know, they feel like they're fudging it and they don't know if they're really a man and that everyone yeah. will mock them or laugh at them and, or, or make fun of them or something.
1: Yeah. We, we had, we had a bit in the group sessions that I used to facilitate, we had a great uh, acronym for fear, you know and that is false evidence appearing real. And this is when we're in our head anticipating stuff and thinking about how is it going to work out, rather than really trusting God and giving it over to Him and saying, I'm here to do your will. I want to be your child. I want to be a good child of God, Heavenly Father. And that fear that is all in our head probably, you know, because we can't see the future, but uh, I've, I've sort of seen and realized that a lot of men have have that fear you know they want to be able to see in the future and have a certain direction and control it all and the fear of letting go of that and trusting god
0: so the fear is uh is to admit that you don't know what don't know at all you you don't know what's happening perhaps you might have stuffed up in some way perhaps you're not the best yeah. possible person all the time but yeah what's let's talk about what's bad about suppressing memories i mean what's What's so bad about not talking about it? I mean, surely some guys say, if I don't want to talk about it, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter. Why would uh, we be worried about someone suppressing bad memories? The big
1: deal is it eats you up inside. It causes cancer. It causes ulcers. It causes all sorts of stuff because you're sitting on this stuff, yeah? Yeah. And and letting it go, and and I can only speak from my personal experience when I forgave people in my life, how what a release that was to finally be able to get rid of that. And and um, you mentioned about shackles and so forth. You know, I, I was hanging on to stuff. I I got rid of my stuff, when it was forty-five.
0: Yeah, right. That's a long time, Jim, to be hanging on to that sort of thing.
1: It is, but. You know, the devil got me and he tempted me with all the worldly things. And, of course, some of those can be very satisfying, yeah? Well, they can cover up, really, though, Jim, isn't it? it, it a lot of these coping mechanisms. Up. That's
0: right. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of these coping mechanisms are like, I mean, we all know that injecting heroin or whatever it is, um, you know, people injecting is, makes you feel good for a short time and it doesn't solve your problems. Everyone knows that in theory, but yep. what we don't realise is that we use other things in the same way. Some people just use food that way, you know, food makes me feel good when I eat it, so I eat yep. lots of it because it make you know, and as as one of the comedians, I think it's Jim Gaffigan says, it's either that or feel my feelings, you know, that yeah. we kind of <laughs> substitute some kind of momentary thrill for actually worrying about how we feel. Um, yeah. and, but the drug can be, and I think you've mentioned this before, Jim, the drug could be um, something like booze, which is readily available and not not the same thing as you know, putting an injection in your arm initially, um, but yeah. just as destructive. Or it could be um, pornography, or it could just be some people. Workaholism. Get, yeah, workaholism, workaholism is a big one, isn't it? In the men, it's huge. It's huge. And I got draped right into that
1: because right. I, I was I was trying to get some acknowledgement for my worthiness, if you like, from yes. outside. Yep. Yeah, and I worked. 70 hours a week. The trouble yeah. with
0: that, mate, is that if you work, you said 70 hours a week, if you work that hard and you put your whole life into it, the company does not care about you. No. Your work doesn't no. care. They, give, they might give you an, a cheap watch or even expensive watch at the end of it, but that's not <laughs> anywhere near the acknowledgement of a lifetime give, self-giving. And no. Why give yourself in that? I'm not saying don't work, but why pour your identity into something that is simply not about you and it's not about um affirming you it's about using you in fact
1: well but you are i was letting myself being used because i was i was i was yearning for this acknowledgement oh you've done great you've got another big contract in right because i never got that as a kid right so finally somebody said oh you're worth something go yes. out there and get those big contracts go and work 70 years or whatever it is
0: yeah yeah so jim part of this is allowing ourselves to be a victim um because we we want something like the affirmation from the company or from our workmates or from our boss or something we we're desperate for affirmation so we submit ourselves
1: to this level of use wouldn't you say yes yes that's exactly right you know and and it it has been when i i got trapped in this victim consciousness that because of what i had suffered i blamed those people who hurt me For the bad life that I'm having, or for the unsettled life that I was having, right until I got to the point where I realised that those people were also very broken, very hurt, and I didn't do that on purpose to damage me. Right, I was just part and parcel of their story. Yeah, yeah. So their victimhood was
0: playing out in a way which hurt you as well and made you a victim as well. Yeah, now that, yeah just we should be clear at this point that this isn't excusing any kind of behavior or excusing any kind of um, abuse of anybody and that all such people should be held accountable for those actions. but definitely In terms of our personal response to being trapped in this cycle, one way out is to actually see the humanness in others and try to let that anger and hurt go um, yeah. so that it doesn't rule us so that it doesn't define us. It, it it that's correct. So
1: when I was forty five years of age, my mother was on her deathbed, yeah. And I was able to, before she took her last breath, to say to her, I forgive you for the hurt that you were given that you have given me all my life. You weren't there for me, you didn't care for me. And at that stage, something just lifted off me. To be able to sort of verbalize that, and I know there was this, this always this feeling of of love and hatred towards my mum, but to be able to, at the last hour, so to speak, to put my arms around her and say to her, "I love you," mm. that was powerful. It's powerful,
0: right? and and yep. c- clearly, Jim. Even it's not only that moment which is powerful, but for for those of us hearing this now and and for so many people who've heard you tell that story, that story liberates them to see this as yep. a legitimate part of their, it could be a legitimate part of their story. Yeah. And yep. Have, can you give us an example, Jim, of someone else who has heard a story from a man who's had that kind of healing and then it's inspired them to go on uh, and, and do
1: you know make some changes in their own life? Well, I was just talking to somebody, actually, that, um, th- that I met about three years ago when we had a retreat at Trinstad out at Magoa, And it was all about our personal ideal. Yeah? And he was probably in his mid-50s or so. And he was totally broken. He didn't tell me his story at that stage, but something just resonated with him during that weekend. And I hadn't seen him for about three years, and I met him about two days ago. And wow, he was a changed man. That retreat, being amongst men, hearing this sort of thing that our mother is there to love us, our our spiritual mother, Mary, is there to love us and bring us closer through Jesus and the Holy Spirit to our Heavenly Father. That sort of really resonated with him because he had a very difficult relationship with his mum and his father Mm -hmm. and he like me he then took on mary as a spiritual mother and that retreat really he said to me there and and, oh tears in my eyes i just thought wow and and sometimes you don't know when you hold these retreats or or whatever you do or, or meeting what sort of effect that has on people but to hear him how he has grown over the last three years just absolutely amazing
0: but let's come back to the story element of it jim it it is often the case with men that you can talk about theory with them but i think you said in our our episode prior episode men are practical beings you know we we like to do stuff but when we hear stories they speak to us right in the you know i'm not saying women don't have the same sense but certainly when men hear other men talk about their own struggle and about how they've come through and that, that it's it's, they've become stronger by being vulnerable. They've become stronger by forgiving. They've become stronger by um, not letting um, hurt from the past define them. And yep. they've become stronger by rejecting self-destructive coping behaviours. Um, yeah. And also, one of the things that telling your story does is it helps to free you from the danger of repeating the story over and over and over again. It yep. helps you break the cycle. In, you, in the thing, the sort of ministries that you're involved in, Jim, as far as I've seen from, you know, I've been involved in a couple of them, but as far as I've seen in the group work, often it's just men st- sharing their stories with other men. Would you say that? Yes.
1: And yeah. so yeah. the,
0: the, the yeah. power of that movement, if you like, seems to be in that storytelling.
1: Yeah. It, it definitely is. And and one thing that really stuck out with our conversation there with, with this guy a couple of days ago was, and I went through that same, same experience, a light went off. Wounded people wound people. I could very much relate to that because I was very wounded and broken. So I wasn't able to be there for my wife, for instance, who was an ex wife, who was an alcoholic. Right. Because I hadn't dealt with my own hurt and, and, uh, problems that I had so I thought that all the problems were because of the alcohol Right, and I didn't look at myself and he had a very similar story and he then also talked about the different relationships that he had where he took that woundedness into that relationship it never really got to the healing part let's
0: go over that again Jim that wounded people hurt wounded people wound people I think that's what you said Yeah. yeah now wounded people do wound people but i guess what i'm getting at here is that this telling of the story of our wounds and how we have come to begin the healing journey it's not about having won the whole battle i think jim and you and i would agree we're still on the journey yes definitely but the 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 story of having coming to face our wounds and actually start to to um to see healing is it changes the wound into a almost an asset. I mean, the wound then, be, if we're honest about it and it's up front, I mean, clearly in a, in a safe and p- properly set up environment, yes, yes, um, definitely. you don't just tell everybody because it can be a hurtful no. thing and a dangerous thing. But obviously yeah. in a proper setting when you've got good men around you who have the love of God in them, um, you can – they turn the wound into a positive because being honest about it then makes it a powerful story of redemption and that story can actually inspire others it also i have to say telling the story makes me feel powerful about my own life it, it, you know instead yeah. of all the lies that get in your own head tells you, you know you're you're weird you're that you're the only person who's <laughs> feeling this you're, you're actually yeah. a failure you're not good enough to be a man and if you tell people they're going to mock you and laugh you and think ill of you when the story yeah. is told and it's out there even if one person has a go it's just one person and and actually the reality is most people respect a real story most people even if they don't agree with all that's Mm. happened they Mm. don't they respect it
1: oh they do definitely and uh, i always relate it to a a physical wound if you like you know because you know yourself if you leave a band-aid on a wound long enough it festers Yes. And that's what's happened with us, with our soul. It and even festers. the smallest
0: wound in that case, Jim, will kill you
1: because it us
0: so much yeah. it poisons you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then when you rip it off, it hurts. Yes. And so it is with our soul, with our, with our being, that when we really get to that stuff, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? It hurts.
0: Now, Jim in in terms of um now we want to be careful here and say that there are some uh, wounds which go so deep they require professional help just like you know oh, yeah, a definitely. small cut in the yep. backyard might be able to be dealt with with a bit of um you know antis- antiseptic and and um, yes, yeah. and a, a bandaid if we yeah. if we need stitches we need to go to a professional yep, and definitely um, that doesn't exclude talking to mates about it but no the beginning if you like the, the first amount of courage to speak up Um, might actually result in, and I've had this happen to a number of people and it happened to myself once, where someone's listened to a story, an ordinary bloke has listened to a story and said, dude, I think that's more serious than just having a a yarn. I think you need to go and talk to someone about that. Now that, um, it can be scary to hear that, but it's like being told, hey, you need some stitches, but get yourself to the hospital.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we're not good at that sometimes, now, no, listening to are. that sort of stuff? Because we are these strong guys, you know, we got to push through and whatever. Yeah. But yep. you're definitely right. And, and look, for me, it has been such a beautiful journey. And I always related to the footsteps, footsteps in the sand. Right. I was carried by our Lord so many times. And whenever he set me down, zing, I went off the road again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and look, the devil is there. When when you're not healed, the devil finds a way in there, I believe. In my case, certainly. Well,
0: yeah? we're certainly we certainly have a, in us a, a, a kind of a nature that seeks out the easy path. And unfortunately, yeah. when you're dealing with um, a small cut or, or even a large cut, it's easier not to have someone poke at it and prod at it and inject it and, yeah. and, and stitch yeah. it. Um, so you'd much rather cover it up with uh, something that just like a Panadol or something and make it go away for a short time. And then it's only when we get to the desperation stakes, we come for help. But Jim, one of the things about um, telling stories is that it's, it's incredibly valuable for young men learning. Now we mentioned in our first episode on masculinity, that one of the problems in the modern world is that the young kids don't really have positive, uh, strong examples of masculinity. They have what's on the media. They have what's in advertising but they don't seem to – and they have sports fans, sports stars who are going around doing all sorts of silly things. But they don't seem to have a good, strong, ordinary, positive uh, role model. And one of the the things that tends to happen is they don't tend to listen to older men. There's there's nowhere – I think you were mentioning a young fellow who showed up to a men's group and there were lots of old men there. And he's going, oh, where's
1: all my young mates? Yeah, yeah. But that turned out okay for him, didn't it? Look, he was actually, the dynamics of that sometimes uh, are tremendous there, you know? Us old guys, we were encouraged by him being there because we were where he was at, but we let our faith go. Now, he is a a guy in his mid-twenties wanting to do something about his faith and being vulnerable at this meeting there with all all older guys, and for him, it was good to see that even at our age, we were we are having these struggles as well. Yeah, yeah. So the dynamics of that really, and and he couldn't get enough of it. He just stayed, you know, for the <laughs> for the next three meetings. So well, that was good it. to see, actually. I mean, we need, I think
0: we need to get over this whole idea of not hanging out with people or being friends with people who are older than us and and younger than us. Um, there yeah. seems to be almost a, a regretful. Sadness in older people I meet that they don't think that younger people want to have anything to do with them, or listen to them. Um, possibly because we've told them we're bored by their stories or something. But <laughs> on the other angle, there, there doesn't seem to be a the time for us to sit with older people and listen, or b there doesn't seem to be like our society is not structured in the same way as it used to be. We don't hang out with older people in in mm. our regular life um, if they're not at our work or if they're not you know living next door we don't really see them like there's not a community a local community where the old guy down the shop or the the fellow who hangs out near the mechanic or something in my country town you'd come across them all the time i i wonder how we could deal with this jim i mean one way is the way you're doing it which is creating groups dedicated for men to talk and listen and learn from each other um do you think there's any other way we can
1: listen to stories Look, there is definitely uh, another way there, and I've had that experience. I've got two daughters and six, well, nearly six grandchildren. One is on the way, so I could get a <laughs> call any time here. So. <laughs> but, Congratulations. But it's close. But look, what, what stood out for me in those 25 years of, of facilitating this was these stories came up and over and over again, yeah, that um, sometimes parents are not able to let go of their children. Right, And the worst case that I listened to is that one, one parent, uh, couple followed their children around all over Australia to be near them. Right. Yeah, so they were not able to let go of it. And from that, we say that, okay, at some stage of your children's life, we need to say to them, okay, I'll always be your father. I'll always be your mother or whatever. But our relationship has to change. Right. Yeah. Father, son, daughters, or whatever. But we now need to talk at an adult level. Right. And I did that with my, both of my daughters when they were 21 or around about that age. Right. And it just, the, the, the relationship just changed dramatically. For the better, do you think? Chip? Was, sorry? For the better, do you think? Oh, for the better i respected them for being adults and also for making mistakes and allowing them to make mistakes yeah, I think yeah?
0: that's that's a big thing there allowing kids to make mistakes because one of the the worst things as a kid is to hear your parents you know judging you um yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And yes you need you need the yeah. space to do that um you need the space to to learn from your own mistakes and it and to be honest um, I think parents need to be more realistic about it because we we, we give them the tools to, to be adults, but we don't making the decisions means that they're not adults yet. So yeah. We we've yeah. got to respect that. But coming yeah. back to the the interaction then between parents and kids, if you give them that space, Jim, that gives them the space to then come back and ask
1: for advice as an adult. And how good is that when your children come to you? Like my daughter is is having a fortieth birthday wow yeah? okay in the next day or two now whenever i I just let her live her life or let them live their life but whenever they come to me and say oh Lord, dad i'm struggling here but that is so beautiful
0: yeah <laughs> rather is. than me
1: watching them and saying oh you're doing this wrong you should be doing this you should be doing that yeah the feeling of just having your daughter come to you and saying dad i'm struggling with this what do you think yeah. Well, that that's
0: wonderful, Jim, and I'm, I'm I'm very touched to hear that you've um you have that relationship with your daughters. But let, let's talk to perhaps people in the in the listeners who have um perhaps not that relationship with their own parents due to past strains or different problems. Yep. Or perhaps um, they haven't had that relationship with their own kids, and there's whatever's happened in the past. We can't change that. You can always build on the relationship you've you've got from starting from today. You can always change a relationship over time. Um, there's no guarantee people other people will accept that change, but I would put the the, the feelers out wider than that, Jim. Um, there are in this suburb that I'm in, there are many older people living in their houses, and they're visited very rarely by their family or friends, but they're yeah. still in a community. And yep. it wouldn't take a huge amount just to listen to them and no. to be engaged with them and to actually talk to them and affirm them and say, hey, I really like the fact that you live next door. I, I really like the fact that, I, you know, we have a chat every day. Um, yep. Can you tell me what's going on with that, you know, that particular plant you're planting there? I don't know. I'm, I'm a really bad gardener. So that was a bad example because <laughs> I wouldn't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but." The point well, is, is I'm that, a
1: bad gardener too, so I can relate to that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but just the whole point is that just to simply engage people who we meet, um, not necessarily everybody, but people who are clearly part of our community or especially if we're you know, Catholics, in our church community, young people listening, there are so many people in the churches right now who come to church and they go away and nobody's engaging, either the young or the older people, because we're not used to that culture. You can... Very simple conversations can start, um, genuine relationships. Some of my best friendships in, in not just in the Catholic Church but in other churches have been from begun with a very simple, ordinary small talk conversation after church,
1: sometime, and often that, that that's the way it goes, doesn't it? You yeah. know, like just a quick hello or something like that. You know, we like one story that came out at our meeting, uh, uh, at the ACBC gathering was. That one guy had moved to another suburb there and he was just sort of sitting there in the church and it was about nine months or something he said before somebody actually said hello to him yeah and noticed him yeah and he was a bit shy reaching out yeah it just seems really crazy jim that we're in a community where
0: particularly young men uh, sorry particularly among men we've got a situation where we're desperate for community particularly with other men um and we're desperate for we we have this need. Most of us aren't unaware of it consciously, but we have this desperate need for for brotherhood, you know, the, and and fatherhood, yeah. and yet we're surrounded by other people who have the same kind of um, loneliness. Uh, and it's only really going to take a few tentative steps, a little bit of bravery, not a huge amount, to step out and actually touch base with other people and find out that yeah, they're a little bit weird, but so am I. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> I can hang out with yeah. them. We can have a have a chat. We can. Um, uh, the friendships um, of all varieties and and uh, colors could come together and and be really beneficial to us all.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting that you say that there, Peter, because in the couple of groups that uh, we've started since we started with this men's ministry thing, is that after a while, men just start to say, "Okay, what can we do? What can we do for the community?" Yes, because we are basically doing people. You know, we we sort of okay, we're on the spiritual journey in these groups. Yep. But for us, generally, there's more. What can we do? What can we do? And what you said is something that's come up a couple of times in groups. Why don't we do that? Why don't, why don't we visit yeah. some of these older people? Why don't we mow their lawns or whatever it is? So yeah. that's another benefit that comes out of this men gathering together.
0: Yeah, the working groups have worked really well in all sorts of places. But when I was back, and um, listeners might not be aware, I was a Lutheran minister before I became a Catholic. When I was a Lutheran minister, one of the I had a whole bunch of young teenagers who had no fathers or, or you know, struggled with their fathers uh, in the parish mm. and I had a, a bunch of 40-year-old men, 40 to 45-year-old men who were struggling with their identity, because midlife crisis kind of thing, and um, I couldn't get them to hang out together. <laughs> I just couldn't mm. get them in the mm. same room because they, oh, no, that's the old guys. Oh, that's the young kids. They don't want to talk to me. <laughs> so I started an indoor soccer team and I said to the young, to the old guys, hey, look, we'd really appreciate you coming along. The young guys could really use some mentors. Uh, All you have to do is kick the ball around and be there for them and be a bit mature. And then I said to the young kids, hey, these old guys are starting a team. They're rubbish at this. They really need your (laughs) usual enthusiasm and skills. (laughs) And I brought them in. And that community, from that group of uh, young kids kicking around a ball with the older guys, they went back after every game and shot pool together and had a pizza together after every game and it became a quite a strong thing and the young kids were coming eagerly to to church because they knew the they knew people there who they could talk to and you know relate to and the old guys asked them about their exams and all sorts of things like that so if you give them something to do a focus where they're actually relating to each other that can be a really strong thing
1: yeah, yeah, no, definitely, I agree with that. Yeah, but also look what, what I've experienced in my journey is uh, I have had many, many uh, attachments that were not so healthy. Yeah? Right, and these yep. were the temptations by the devil. Once I sort of worked out that I that Mary was my mother because Jesus gave us gave her to us as our mother. Yep, I formed a attachment to her. Right, very deeply. Yeah. And I know from all my experience in the human life, people let you down. Right. In whatever way or form. Sure. But just to have the comfort that Mary or Jesus or the Holy, whatever, or a saint or something, they will be there for you on your journey. Yeah. And that for me, to learn that was so important for me that I knew that, yes, okay, it's all out there. You can't put your hand on it or whatever. But just having my relationship with our mother has really helped me so much on my spiritual journey and has given me this comfort and contentness if you like in my life yeah yeah it's a that pretty, i'm on the journey i'm glad you mentioned your mother jim because um we have focused quite a lot
0: in in this and the last episode on fatherhood and the relationship with our fathers and that is a really important part of a, a young man's identity and an older man's identity too but we should have talked about mothers too because our relationship with our mother defines us very much in how we relate to other women and as you say and i've had a similar experience jim that once we've talked about spiritual motherhood and and mary in particular Mm -hmm. is the example of that spiritual motherhood and her love for the church and that she's given to the church as a mother by christ on the cross that's that can be a a hugely healing element but it can also heal because as you mentioned um some of the distractions we seek some of the coping mechanisms we look for are related to just you know ugly things like we look for sensual pleasures we look for um uh, you know we get addicted to the thrills um of various things that when we focus on what's good true and beautiful like our heavenly father and our heavenly mother then we you know it's much purer and we can we can focus on what's good let's bring it home though the telling the stories thing becomes real when some part of a story is extremely damaging that's something we've done and then we're ashamed of that yep. part of a story in the catholic understanding goes to confession and is told to jesus christ himself the ultimate yep. of our brothers and we tell that story in the in the confidentiality and this is one of the key things right now in our political arena in australia is that um the confidentiality of the confessional is uh, being come under attack it's so important mm-hmm. that we can tell that story with pure confidence that it's going to be kept, you know, between us and God. And that sure. the final answer in that confessional is I forgive you all your sins, says Christ. Yeah. And yeah. that that's a new start. And that um as Pope Benedict often we 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 don't want to approach confession. We we're scared of it. We're saying, What you know, we have this irrational fear, what if he doesn't forgive me? But as Pope Benedict says, uh, we should never be afraid to ask God for what he wants to give us. God wants us to be forgiven. He wants to embrace us. He wants to take us back. Um, and all we need to do is put the story in front of him and the beauty and peace of forgiveness comes from there.
1: It does. And and look, that, that was a huge, huge uh, thing for me there, um, you know, you know um, Taking on the Catholic faith and being able to say that in confession. But you know what was more healing actually? And I only did this about five, 10 years ago now with my daughters that I set them down. Well, not really set them down, but I invited them along and I said, I need to tell my story. They didn't know my background. Right. They didn't know what I was doing, what I did, and why I did it. Yeah. Okay. They knew me as a very strict father. Mother would say, "Wait till your dad comes home." He'll, yeah. <laughs> and they were quivering, yeah. So there was a fear in them, and that hurt me very much to hear that yep. when they said that to me. But that healing, Peter, that was even more beneficial for me than in the confessional. I must say, right? Because in the confessional, as you said, sometimes you say, "Ah, oh, yeah, is he really forgiving me?" <laughs> but when you're sitting across you with your children and you're telling your story. And they say, we now know why Mm -hmm. this happened. Okay. And we forgive you. We know that you were working to give us a good home. Wow. To hear that from your children, it's a wow factor. Yeah, It is. It is. And uh, I mean,
0: uh, I guess, Jim, I I need to mention um, sometimes we don't hear that. Um, I've, on two occasions in my life, I've attempted to open up to someone who uh hurt me and one person who i i know i hurt and they, they were i mean i'm not talking about massive li- things in my case but in at least two of those occasions the person themselves wasn't ready and yep. and couldn't say that now i and still it's
1: important to know
0: it is important to know but i have to say jim it was still important for me to have told my father uh, of course what hurt me but also yep. that i forgave him yeah even though he wasn't ready to hear it and now I, i'm yep. very very grateful that i told him before he died um because it's now i have no regrets about that i have no um nothing's unsaid if you like i don't regret yeah yeah not going yep. there um so it's yeah. worth saying even if even if the response isn't perfect i mean clearly a, a beautiful response is a beautiful thing but um yeah. it's worth going yeah. there even if someone's not ready uh depending on of course on circumstances but all right so what we've really talked about uh this episode is the the power of stories and the power of men's stories and how uh, healing um love and new starts can happen because of stories but also that we can learn from other men's stories if we're prepared to listen and hear them and uh, hopefully we can learn from their mistakes as well as their their wins yep yeah yep. that's it for this week's podcast then if today's discussion got you thinking or telling us that we were wrong to your podcast advice let us know uh, you can subscribe to the podcast at thiscatholiclife.com.au let us know on twitter instagram facebook or discord um, what you think or what we should do another episode on i think we're already lining one up on raising boys and how we go about raising boys and in, in this modern world uh, but we've if you've got any other ideas that'd be great to hear from you make sure you um, review us on itunes get the word out to other people we i think that a uniquely australian catholic podcast is a good idea uh, so tell your friends and before we go
1: it's time for shout outs jim do you want to say hello to anyone oh look i just want to say hello to my daughter there you know i know she probably won't listen to that but she's just going through this time you know like she's over it she wants it she wants to have the baby and uh i just hope everything goes well and uh bless her yeah Yeah, wonderful wonderful thing um i'm gonna
0: say a shout out to the men who are at home they used to work they used to work defining them Uh, they're at home feeling lonely and sort of at a loose end stay strong men and i mean by that don't fall easily into destructive habits or lazy habits Um, think of things you can do for others even if you can't go to them think of things that you can do with your power use your strengths be a friend to those in need especially those who are perhaps even more lonely perhaps even more stuck uh, than you are the older guys who've got a wealth of experience and love to give That's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life.